It's Saturday, November the 21st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Pfizer's vaccine seeks approval, and Trump meets Xi virtually. First, the week in brief. Pfizer said it was applying to America's Food and Drug Administration to authorize emergency use of its COVID-19 vaccine. Earlier this week, the pharmaceutical company and BioNTech, its German partner, reported final trial results showing the vaccine was 95% effective and carried no big safety concerns. The companies say it may be possible to start giving the vaccine to people in high-risk groups by mid-December. President Donald Trump and his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping met fellow leaders online at the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Forum to discuss the economic impact of the coronavirus. Mr. Trump has previously been criticized for missing the event. In reference to the Sino-American trade war, Muhyiddin Yassin, Malaysia's prime minister, urged members to commit to a rules-based multilateral trading system. Mr. Trump's flailing attempt to cling to power suffered further setbacks. Georgia certified its presidential election result, a win for Joe Biden after a recount, and several Republican lawmakers from Michigan, having been summoned to the White House, said the president had failed to persuade them to override the will of the people. The candidates who win the most votes win elections and Michigan's electoral votes, they said in a statement. Meanwhile, Donald Trump Jr. became the latest member of the president's inner circle to catch COVID-19. Mr. Trump has in the past played down the severity of the disease. On Friday, America broke a daily infection record once again. Over 192,000 cases were reported. The S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell as cases of COVID-19 in America continued to climb and worries mounted about the country's financial recovery. On Thursday, Stephen Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, said he would cut off funding for several of the Federal Reserve's key lending programs when they expire at the end of the year. That prompted an unusual rebuke from Fed officials. Britain borrowed £22.3 billion, $29.6 billion in October, the highest figure on record for that month. Government spending continued to rise in response to a new surge in COVID-19 cases during the autumn. Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, faces a balancing act in next week's mini-budget. Forecasters suggest this year's full-year deficit could reach nearly £400 billion. And JTB Corp announced it would cut 6,500 of its 29,000 employees because demand for travel has been battered by the pandemic. The Japanese travel agency plans to close 115 of its shops in Japan and reduce staff salaries by 30% from April next year. The company also reported a net loss of $750 million in the first half of this year, the highest in its history. And now, here's today's agenda. Free Willy versus Jaws, Orcas Terrorize Sharks. Free Willy and Jaws cemented very different reputations for two marine giants. The first film was about befriending gentle orcas, the second popularized the trope of the insatiable man-eating shark. But nature disputes Hollywood's view of the true apex predator. According to a report from the South African government, killer whales are terrorizing great white sharks off the coast of Cape Town. Three years ago in Hansby, a nearby town, five great white carcasses washed up with their livers torn out. 
Since then, there has been a large drop in sightings of the sharks. Recently, they have vanished entirely. The exodus was initially blamed on fisheries, but a government panel of experts found no evidence for this. Instead, they say that a single pair of orcas have become shark hunting specialists. Everywhere this couple visits soon empties of sharks. With many eco-tourists visiting the region to cage dive with great whites, locals may begin to dread the sight of these particular orcas. The book was better. Hillbilly Elegy. J.D. Vance knows something about timing. Just months before Donald Trump's election in 2016, the Yale-educated venture capitalist published his memoirs, Hillbilly Elegy, tracing his difficult upbringing in working-class Ohio. The memoir was praised at the time for tapping into the sense of abandonment felt by America's white underclass, painting a bleak picture of broken relationships, substance addiction and plunging life expectancy. It became a manual for explaining Mr. Trump's pivotal victories in America's industrial heartlands, which catapulted him to power. Fast forward to the present, and a film adaptation by Ron Howard will stream on Netflix from Tuesday, just three weeks after Mr. Trump's defeat. But the book's sharpness has not translated onto the screen well. Critics have panned it as startlingly terrible, judgmental, littered with patronising clichés, and worst of all, dull. What could have been a timely examination of class in America appears to have turned out a damp squib. The Muffin Man, Frank Zappa's Music A new documentary about the life and work of Frank Zappa will be released on Friday. Simply titled Zappa, the film mixes archive footage, courtesy of the Zappa family, with first-hand testimony from friends and colleagues. It shows the self-taught composer's journey from sickly child to prolific experimental multi-instrumentalist. Before his death from cancer in 1993, Zappa made 62 albums. Another 53 have been released posthumously. But despite this prodigious output, his avant-garde music did not enjoy substantial commercial success during his lifetime. He only had one real hit, Valley Girl and he did not come close to the superstar status of some of his friends like David Bowie, Eric Clapton and Mick Jagger. This relative obscurity makes Zappa a tantalising prospect for those in search of less well-known retro music. The film's director, Alex Winter, has soundtracked the film with an eclectic playlist of the musician's weird and wonderful compositions. Gothic Horror – Dark Tides Philippa Gregory was finishing her PhD at Edinburgh University when she wrote her first historical novel, Wideacre, 1987. As she was studying heroines in 18th century novels by day, by night she was penning a dark tale of wealth, incest and murder in the Georgian period, with a ruthless female protagonist at its heart. Ms Gregory has produced a novel most years since, earning herself the moniker The Queen of British Historical Fiction. In 2018, she was inducted into Nielsen's 21st Century Platinum Hall of Fame for selling over one million copies of The Other Bolin Girl, 2001. Her latest book, Dark Tides, is released on Tuesday. Beginning in 1670, the story follows characters dispersed across London, New England and Venice and takes in the restoration of the British monarchy as well as tensions between pioneers and Native Americans. In these dull lockdown days, readers will no doubt relish the opportunity to be transported to another time and place. Heads Up 
dementia and football. Jack Charlton, Martin Peters, Nobby Stiles and Ray Wilson were all on the pitch when England won its only Football World Cup in 1966. Before their deaths, all four men were diagnosed with dementia, in some cases with Alzheimer's, the disease that most often causes the condition. A fifth member of the team, Jack's brother Bobby, also has dementia. Since the premature death of another professional footballer, Jeff Astle, in 2002, research has linked heading footballs with chronic traumatic encephalopathy, a disease that is often misdiagnosed as Alzheimer's. A study published last year concluded that footballers are more than three times as likely to die of degenerative neurological conditions than the general population. Debate has begun about changing football's rules. In America, heading has been banned in under-11 games since 2015. Jeff Hurst, who scored three of England's four goals in the 1966 final, believes the suggestion that the world should follow suit is very strong and sensible. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Voltaire, who was born on this day in 1694. One always speaks badly when one has nothing to say. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 